Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Bible. Here, we study the Bible and we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we have done 32 books of the Bible. If you've not been able to listen to all the podcasts we've done, I ask you to please Check out all our podcast platforms like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. You can also check out our app, Bible In-Depth Network, and you'll be able to get all that we've started. And I believe the Lord shall speak to you because, like we already say here, there's no limitation to revelation. God reveals His word to every single person. If you have interest in the Lord, He will speak to you. If you want God to speak to you, he will indeed come and speak to you. And even as you read his word, you open your heart and you let him speak. Even as you listen to the word, you open your heart. And there are some things that we may not have uh, talked about, but God shall reveal to you personally because his word is alive. It's new every morning. You can read today and get a message. Read three months later and get another message. From the same portion of scripture, reason is the word of the Lord is alive and it speaks to us in a way that nothing else can ever speak to us. So please go out and check and listen and let God speak to you. Yeah, And uh, you can also visit our website, BibleIndepth.com. There you will know more, a lot more about the network, what we do. You access a number of things there. You can listen to the radio uh, through there. You can also access children's publications, 3D publications, stories about the Bible that we have done in a comic form that you can be able to access, download, and let your child uh, read and listen and learn. You can also uh, watch a number of clips that we have made concerning bi- the Bible, stories that are quite educative that you can also access right there through the website. And uh, there's lots more that you can find there. And I believe it would be a great time for you as you uh, check it out. Now, today, we are moving on to the book of Nehem. And uh, it's a short book, which we shall, we shall handle today. And uh, very soon, we'll be done with the Old Testament. It's amazing the grace that God has given us to study uh, that God has been with us all through this time. We've taken about two and a half years since we started the book of Genesis. And uh, it's amazing how God has revealed a number of things to us, even as we study this Old Testament. And now as we come to its conclusion, we thank him and we exhort him. And in a few days, we shall be done with this Old Testament. And today, I want us to start on this book and complete this book of Nahum. And uh, it starts by saying the oracle of Nineveh. Remember, we talked about Nineveh uh, last time. It's uh, when we were looking at the issue of Jonah. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. It is uh, a major city for Assyria at that time. Yeah, And it's a strong, powerful city. Of course, saved uh, by, by the Lord that he extends grace to them uh, in the time of Jonah. And he does not destroy it like he had said. And uh, that's what we saw, how God can be gracious. There are things we deserve. There there are things that we deserve to come our way that may not be good. 
but God by his grace says, I'll forgive you. I'll give you another opportunity. I'll give you another chance. That's what he did for Nineveh as a city. And here we know it as the capital of Assyria. And that's to whom Nahum is being sent. Yeah, And the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite, a jealous and avenging God is the Lord. That's how he starts it. Now, in the form of jealous, it may not imply that uh, in, in, the, in the manner that we see it or hear it or know it that somebody who doesn't wish good for others, no. That's not, that's not what it implies here. But he tells us that he's a jealous and avenging God. The implication here is that for his worship, there is nobody who should share it. When it comes to worshiping God, Nobody else shares in that. He wants all the praise. He wants all the worship. He wants all the honor. He wants all the exaltation. We don't exalt men over God. We don't exalt women over God. We don't exalt finances over God, wealth over God, houses and cars and whatever it is over God. We don't exalt nations over God, leaders, because many of them want to be praised and exalted. We do not lift them high above God. It is only God who deserves the praise, the worship, the honor, the exaltation. And when he does not get that, that is where this word applies, jealous. Because he wants it all for him. We don't channel it to any person. We don't channel it to any of those gods that have been built up set up in wood and stone, molded in sculptures and placed there in clay, and they say bow to it. No. He's a jealous God. He wants all the worship for himself, and that's good. For that case, it is good when that word is used in that manner because it is he who created the heavens and the earth. He's the one who created you and me. He knows every bit of us. He knows every part, every hair on our heads he can number. And that's where he comes out and says he's a jealous and avenging God. Joshua chapter 24 verse 19 says, And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions and all your sins. He also comes out and mentions it there, telling us that he is a jealous God. All that is in the context of worship to God. Let's not misunderstand that in any context of how we know the word jealous. yeah. And uh, he still goes on and tell, talks about this. Exodus chapter 20 verse 5. yeah. And thou shalt not bow down yourself to them. Who? To the idols. No, serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So, even in Exodus 25, it tells us here that it is the context of worship. This comes in, this jealous beat. It's in the context of worship. He does not share his worship with anybody else. It all belongs to him. And he goes on and says, The Lord is avenging and wrathful. First, we've seen he's jealous. In regard to worship, next we see he is avenging, yeah, and wrathful. 
that comes of course to those who hate him to those who do not regard him as their god and he takes vengeance on his adversaries you know sometimes people think that they can hurt others and take people for granted and uh, hurt the needy the poor take the things of those uh, people and torture them and do all that because they think god is not going to come out but god here clearly says that he will avenge he will come up in wrath and he will take vengeance on those who treat others harshly those who do not exalt him those who do not honor him and he reserves wrath for his enemies it's not good to be an enemy of god because when time for trouble comes you cannot handle what comes that's why you have to be a friend of God at all times. Make sure you're in good books with him. Because when you get onto the channel of being an adversary, then you are exposed to the wrath of God. And we have read the Bible. We've seen the wrath of God. We've seen what happens when God has turned. Yeah? And says it's time for judgment. It's no good at all. Yeah? But he tells us in verse 3 here that the Lord is slow to anger and is great in power. Now, that is the comfort we get. He's slow to anger. Reason, this is the thing. He should be angry with what we, with, with, with some of us or with people or with whatever it is, nations. He should be angry with how we are carrying our lives, with how we do not respect him, with how we do not honor him. But he's slow to anger. Why? Because there is grace in there. There is that, that grace that abounds. It says, okay, I'll give them some time. They will change. They are my children. They will change. Yeah? He's slow to anger. He does not come out in that full wrath because he's slow to anger. Psalms 103 verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious. That is the word we are talking about here. Slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He has mercy on us. He has grace over us. He's gracious. He says, okay. I will leave this child of mine. Let, let, let me give him some time. He will, he will get out of that life that is hopeless. He will get out of that worldly life. Let me have mercy on him. He's slow to anger. He's gracious. He has mercy on his people. And that is the same thing here in Naham that is being spoken of. of over uh, About the Lord that is slow to anger and he's great in power. And the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. That is assured. As far as you're guilty, there's a day of punishment. It's coming. And it's coming. Some, we experience it here on earth because of consequence of our actions. But then there is that which is to come for those who did not believe. For those who did not accept Christ and walk with him. For those who decided to take their life on another turn and forget about God. There is guilt that covers such a person and it does not go unpunished. And we read about it of the judgment to come. How I pray and wish that we are safe at that time. How I pray and, 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 and hope that many would have turned to Christ. Yeah, There are many who say it does not exist. There are many who say God does not exist. What are you to- talking about? What, well, who is that Jesus? Who is that Christ you're telling us about? Where will we pray that God may touch hearts of those that they may learn to accept Him and walk with Him and, and channel their minds toward Him? Because that day which comes, which is to come, it will be a tough day. And all who are guilty will be punished. 
Because here he says, by no means does the Lord leave the guilty unpunished. He may be slow to anger. He may take time. Because the reason that that time exists, the time lag, the, the wait is for you to change. Is for many to come to him. Is for many to accept him. But when the grace runs out, then the guilty are exposed to punishment. In the whirlwind and storm is his way. And clouds are the dust beneath his feet. And he rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He has the power to do that because that's all his creation. Yeah? He dries up all the rivers. Yeah? Bashan and Camo wither. The blossoms of Lebanon wither. Mountains quake because of him. And the hills dissolve. Yeah, He has the power. He has great power. He can do that. And when it gets to mountains, you remember Exodus chapter 19 verse 18 where it talked about Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of the furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Sinai quaked. At least they saw, they had an example of that even in their books of history and what they read and they saw the mountains quake or shake why because god had come in their presence there with moses yeah so when they read it here being talked about uh, by this prophet they know it is existent it is real yeah and he goes on and says indeed the earth is upheaved by his presence the world and all the inhabitants in it who can stand before his indignation. Who can endure the burning of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken up by him. Now, here's the word. The Lord is good. That is a fact. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And today there is somebody who needs to hear this. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. You've woken up today and you're going to work and you do not know what is going to become of you. In this day that seems filled with trouble, that you're in trouble with your boss because things are not matching up well, the Bible says the Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble. When your your business is not moving well and trouble is looming, they want to get you out of that uh, shop. God says he's the stronghold in the day of trouble, you rely on him in such a day that has exposed itself to you when you're frightened and you believe in God and trust in him because he will be your stronghold. He will hold you strong. That's a simple way to say it. And you go through whatever has been set before you. And this is the thing. You don't go through it just and, and, and you get to the other end. No, you go through it successfully because where God is, things work. Miracles happen. We believe for something great to happen for you, somebody who is panicking this morning, somebody who is afraid this morning, who's wondering what, what's going on. How am I going to go through this season? How am I going to go through this day? It is trouble everywhere, trouble in your family, trouble in your marriage, trouble in your relationships. God is that stronghold in the time of trouble. Look to God. We look to God. And when we look to him, we pick the strength. When we look to him, he holds us together and says, I will keep you safe. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. And he knows those who take refuge in him. He will know that you have run to him. He will know that 
he has finally given up all his strategies. You know, sometimes we set up strategies to get out of trouble. Yeah, we get up with all these plans of this is how I'll handle it. I'll talk to so-and-so. I have a connection here who will help me. But God knows at that point where you surrender and say, okay, I surrender. I have nothing to do about this. Let me leave it in the hands of God. That's the turn we are taking today. That you're, you, you're probably empty. You have no money. You have nothing left with you. And you've been looking for solutions here and there. In that time of trouble, you surrender everything. And you give it to the Lord. And you take refuge in him. And the beauty here is, in verse 7, it says, He knows those who take refuge in him. The moment you surrender everything, you don't have to even tell him. He will know it. And you know, okay, my son, my daughter has fully submitted to me, fully taken refuge in me. Now, let me come out and show myself as their stronghold in this time of need. And he says, but with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of its sight. They're talking about Nineveh now. And will pursue his enemies into darkness. Whatever you devise against the Lord. He will make a complete end of it. You know, there are people who devise plots against God. Probably to hurt. You are planning vain things. You are planning things against the kingdom of God. Yeah, planning evil against churches. People who speak against God. Against the, uh, against the, the church of God. Church of Christ. And they're speaking evil against it. Plotting to bring it down. You are saying they shall not build here, they shall not worship here, they shall not stand on the streets to preach the gospel. Here there is a promise to them that he brings that to complete end. And let's be very careful not to be those who stand in the way of the spreading of the gospel. Because you cannot stand or devise against the Lord. You cannot set up a plot against God. Yeah, And he says he will make a complete end of it. This stress will not rise up twice like tangled thorns, and like those who are drunken with their drink, they are consumed, as stable, completely withered. From you has gone forth one who plotted evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Yeah, thus says the Lord. Though they had full strength and likewise many, even so they will be cut off and pass away. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no longer. So now, I'll break this his yoke bar from upon you, and I will tear off your shackles. The Lord has issued a command concerning you. Your name will no longer be perpetuated. I will cut off idol and image. Those things that you've set up, I will cut them off. They will be no more. I will prepare your grave, for you are contemptible. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace. Celebrate your feasts, O Judah. Pay your vows. For never again will the wicked one pass through you. He is cut off completely. Yeah? Those who used to torture you from Nineveh, they will be no more and you shall not fear. There is a day that comes and you live in peace. You know, whatever you're going through right now, and it seems unfair to you, it seems like it's torture to you, it seems unjust to you that is being done to you, there is a day that will come and you'll be in peace. The trouble you're going through will not last forever. No. A day will come and you will live in peace. God is going to come and set you free in whatever situation that you are going through. And it goes and says, The one who scatters has come against you. Man of the fortress, watch the road. Strengthen your back. Summon all your strength, for the Lord will restore the splendor of Jacob, like the splendor of Israel. 
Yeah, even though devastators have devastated them, the Assyrians have come and taken charge. The Babylonians have come and taken charge. He says, even though they have been devastated, they shall have restoration. Even though your things, your property has been stolen and taken away, they shall be restoration. Even if your health seems going bad and they're getting reports from doctors and they're telling you, you will not leave, you, will ha- you have this problem. God promises restoration for his people. And you being the child of God, you being a child of God, you being uh, one that goes, God has deep concern over, there is promise of restoration of your life. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Believe in the Lord for that time is coming. God shall come and he shall restore everything about you. And he says, even though devastators have devastated his people of Israel and destroyed their vine branches, the shields of his mighty men are colored red. The warriors are dressed in scarlet. The chariots are enveloped in flashing steel when he's prepared to march, and the cypress spears are brandished. The chariots race madly in the streets. They rush wildly in the squares. Their appearance is like torches. They dash to and fro like lightning flashes. He remembers his nobles. They stumble in their march. They hurry to her wall, and the mantelet is set up. The gates of the rivers are opened, and the palace is dissolved. It is fixed. She's stripped. She's carried away. And her handmaids are mourning like the sound of the doves beating on their breasts. Though Nineveh was like a pool of water throughout her days, they are now fleeing. Though it was a stronghold, those things that look mighty and they are oppressing everybody, yeah, looking like they have all their life in the world, they will never diminish. They will flee. That sickness will flee. That pain will flee. The joblessness will flee. The lack of, 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 of passion will flee. The troubles in relations will flee. God will come and restore. This is Nineveh. They're talking about a great and mighty city. But they're saying, even if they looked like they're untouchable, they will flee. Stop, stop. But no one turns back. Plunder the silver. Plunder the gold. For there is no limit to the treasure. Wealth from every kind of desirable object. She is emptied. Yes, she's desolate and waste. There is nothing left. We've seen, by the way, even when you get into uh, nations and places that seemed untouchable, when it's their time, they are emptied. This is happening for Nineveh here, and it's promised to happen to them that they will be emptied. Also, is in the whole anguish is in the whole body. All their faces have grown pale. Where is the den of lions and the feeding place? Of the li- young lions, where the lion, lioness, and lions cub prowled, without with nothing to disturb them, the lion tore enough for his cubs, killed enough for his lionesses, and filled his lairs with prey, and his dens with torn flesh. Behold, I'm against you, declares the Lord of hosts. I'll burn up her chariots in smoke. A sword will devour your young lions. I'll cut off your prey from the land, and no longer will the voice of your messengers be. This is spoken to the people of Nineveh, and they are promised that this is what is going to come to that kingdom that was once mighty. Yeah, if it's time for judgment, and God says it is time, it is time. Even the great are brought down. Now, we look at the final chapter of this book of Nahum. Woe to the bloody city, completely full of lies and pillage. They are talking about Nineveh here. 
Her prayer never departs. The noise of the whip, the noise of the rattling of the wheel, galloping horses and bounding chariots, horsemen charging, swords flashing, spears gleaming, many slain, a mass of corpses and countless dead bodies. They stumble over the dead bodies, all because of the many halotries of the halot, the charming one, the mistress of sorceries, who sells nations by her halotries and families by her sorceries. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will lift up your skirts over your face and show to the nations your nakedness and to the nations your disgrace. I will throw filth on you and make you vile and set you up as a spectacle. And it will come about that all who see you will shrink from you and say, Nineveh is devastated. They will say this once great city, this capital of Assyria, this place where everybody went and where, which was filled with all wealth. What happened to it? When time for judgment has come, there is nothing that remains. Everything is laid bare. Here they say they will open their skirt. They will show their nakedness. They will expose their weakness. That nations that even wanted to fight you before and felt you too strong, they are going to come and bring you down as Nineveh. That's what they are telling them here. You will not remain strong as a nation. Yeah, Who will grieve for her? You know, there, there are things that happen and there are people that treat others in such a bad manner, that even when a time has come for you to seek for those to comfort you, you find none. For whatever Nineveh had done, the question is who will grieve for Nineveh? Who will be there to say, let's go and rescue them? Let's go and ally and help them. Let's send some help to them, some food for them who are in, 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 in hunger. Nobody. Yeah? Where will I seek comforters for you? Nobody will come to comfort you. Are you better than No Amon, which was situated by the waters of the Nile, with water surrounding her, whose rampant was the sea, whose wall consisted of the sea? Ethiopia was her might, and Egypt too, without limits. Put and Libim were among her helpers, yet she became an exile. She went into captivity. They're talking about here uh, a nation that had all alliances but went to captivity. Reason, their time had come. God had been patient enough and they refused to listen and their time had come. And this is the same thing for Nineveh. God has been patient with them and their time has come. Also, her small children were dashed to pieces. At the head of every street, they cast lots for her honorable men. And all her great men were bound with fetters. You too, will become drunk, you will be hidden. You too will search for a refuge from the enemy. All your fortifications are fig trees with ripe fruit. When shaken, they will fall into the eater's mouth. Behold, your people are women in your midst. The gates of your land are opened wide to your enemies. Whoever wants to enter comes in. Fire consumes your gate bars. Draw for yourself water. For the siege, strengthen your fortifications. Go into the clay and tread the mortar. Take hold of the brick mold. The fire will consume you. The sword will cut you down. It will consume you as the locust does. Multiply yourself like the creeping locust. Multiply yourself like the swarming locust. You have increased your traders more than the stars of heaven. 
the creeping locust strips, the flies away. Your guardmen are like the swarming locust. Your marshals are like the hordes of grasshoppers settling in stone walls on a cold day. The sun rises and they flee. And the place where they they are is not known. Your shepherds are sleeping. Or kings of Assyria. Here it's clear that they're talking to Assyria. The king of Assyria. Because Nineveh is his capital. And he mentions it here. Your nobles are lying down. King of Assyria. Your people are scattered on the mountains. And there is no one to regather them. There is no relief for your breakdown. Your wound is incurable. All who hear about you will clap their hands over you. For on whom has not your evil passed continually? Assyria, you have tortured people for long. You've taken God's people through captivity and tortured them. But judgment has come to you. Those things that have been an issue in your life, a menace to you, attacking you. Yeah, those things that look mighty and they come and take for granted God's people. Yeah, those that come and torture people. A time comes and God says they shall be no more. Your oppressor shall be no more. A time shall come. That disease shall be no more. A time shall come. That pain shall be no more. A time shall come. That situation you're going through shall be no more because when God says it's time, it's time. And I pray for somebody out there today as we conclude this book of Nahum that God shall come out and hold you strong and help you and hold you together. Whatever you're going through, I pray by the mighty name of Jesus that you're set free. That the Lord comes out and touches your life and restores hope and brings joy. This is an end to torture in your life. May this be an end to oppression in your life. To those that have risen against you, may it be an end to that that you may experience a new life because God loves you and he fights for you. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.